Hey everyone, it's Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, the host of Punky Brewster, or Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster pod- podcast, the host of All My Lanta Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast, and so on. Today I am bringing you a special Boy Meets World episode. Yes, the last time I covered Boy Meets World was back in December. I believe it was Santa's Little Helper or Helpers. And this time around, tomorrow, May 5th, is Teacher Appreciation Day. It's actually Teacher Appreciation Week. And I'm like, you know what? I really like this particular episode of Boy Meets World. It's in Season 1. It's Season 1, Episode 8, entitled Teacher's Bet, which aired on November 19th, 1993. In this episode, Feeney makes a bet with Corey to teach his class for a week. If more students pass, Corey wins. And if more students fail, Feeney wins. What's the wager? Like, what's at stake here? You'll have to listen to this podcast to find out. Or if you've already seen the episode, because you can watch it on Disney Plus now, or you got your DVDs, you probably already know what uh, Corey put up for this little wager. So this episode's got an 8.5 out of 10 rating based on 220 ratings. Right, directed by David Trainer, writers Michael Jacobs, the creator. We have April Kelly, the creator, and Jeff Menel, ex- executive story editor. We got a little trivia for this episode, courtesy of IMDb. It is revealed that Sean Hunter is Italian on his mother's side. Her maiden name is Cordini. In this episode, Feeney has Corey teach his class. Corey will ultimately become a history teacher himself in the series spinoff Girl Meets World. This was the first reappearance of Topanga, whose first and only episode was Season 1, Episode 4. Alright. Here's a goof. Corey writes, Hey Dude, on the chalkboard, with a line under it. In a later shot, as he talks to Minkus, the line has disappeared. Then a few moments later, it is back again. We got some connections. Wheel of Fortune. Corey. Feeney's just Vanna White. Pointing at all the, pointing to all the letters. Hey Dude was a TV series that ran from 1989 to 1991. Alright, let's see if we got a... We got a couple user reviews. Okay, cool. The first one is by Kalen Vest, which I swear has probably uh, reviewed an episode of Full House. I swear I've seen that that username before gives us a 9 out of 10 titling it Mikasa Sukasa this was published on February 4 February 5th 2014 warning spoilers Minkus thinks Mr. Feeney is a great teacher and grossly underpaid Corey and Sean think Feeney isn't worth it and that 6th grade never changes Corey makes some snarky comic comments in class and Feeney gets miffed at Corey's disrespect when he says Feeney's job isn't that difficult Feeney proposes a bet if Corey gets more people to pass he wins and if he doesn't Feeney wins they even throw in one-fifth of Feeney's paycheck and Corey's brand new bike Meanwhile, Morgan grows attached to Eric's girlfriend, Linda. But things get heavy when someone at the mall calls Linda a derogatory name. We've seen 
teachers do the bet thing by trading places, but students? I thought it was a creative take on it. I love how this show is able to combine humor with the ethics of life and seriousness. As a kid, you always think being a teacher is easy and being a student is hard. In all honesty, both are very difficult. I think this one did a fantastic job exploring the issue. Don't judge a book by its cover. If you don't know the full story, one of my favorite moments in this one is when Mr. Feeney walks in as a student with a baseball cap and a Phillies jersey. The ending is pretty heartwarming as well. Topanga was still in the beginning stages of her character and doesn't have much to do. Sean has a couple of good moments. Eric's storyline with Linda was pretty powerful. BMW fans have no excuse not to see this episode. Additional note, Corey teaching in this episode somewhat foreshadows the upcoming series Girl Meets World. He is all grown up, married to Topanga with two children, and ironically enough, he's a teacher in Girl Meets World. It ostensibly premieres in the summer. Alright, gotcha. Okay, ooh, ooh, this one, guys, look. Chrissy Elizabeth-14563 publishes on a October 11, 2019, so that wasn't even a year ago, gives this a 10 out of 10, titling it Powerful Ep. Warning, spoilers. This was a great and very important episode. I think it taught a valuable lesson that was handled in a respectful and clearly thought out way. Looking back now at everything Corey and Sean go through, they're that test their friendship. I think this was an important milestone because even though Corey's remark to Sean about his ethnicity was being used to make a point, you can see by Sean's face and his reaction that he was genuinely hurt by what was said and especially since it came from his best friend. If Sean and Corey weren't so tightly connected, this moment could have ruined their whole relationship. However, as hurt as Sean was, the moment had enough of an impact on him that it changed his grade on the test. Because he knows Corey, Sean is able to move past what was said, even if Corey technically never actually apologized for hurting him in that way, and their friendship continues to grow and flourish all through their life. Side note, the remark remark Corey makes to Sean is the number one moment on a list I made of things Corey did to Sean that he never actually apologized for, even though Sean forgave him when he probably shouldn't have. However, the intensity of the emotions in this ep are great, and I loved how sweet and protective Eric was being of Linda. It really showcased his mature and caring side. The whole scene between Sean and Corey was harsh, but it was valuable and it did the job of getting the point about prejudice across very well so real quick we all love tv show podcasts podcasts that cover tv shows of our childhood of our adulthood and so on and so forth one podcast in particular i want to bring to light because i've listened to it and i really like it it's called The Feeney Call. And if you guys have watched Boy Meets World, you clearly know The Feeney Call that came from Eric, Corey's older brother. So recently, they are, excuse me, recently they were able to get a guest from Boy Meets World onto the show and interview them. And of course, the guest is it's entitled Bonusode number two, an interview with Trina McGee. Trina McGee portrayed the character Angela 
Her first appearance on Boy Meets World would have been Season 5, Episode 2, entitled Boy Meets Real World. So, definitely check out the interview. I haven't listened to all of it yet. Check out the podcast. It's really, really good. There are, if you look on YouTube, you type in Boy Meets World, there are a bunch of Boy Meets World podcasts out there, but only a few that are currently still going at this point. Now, I'm not going to eventually start a podcast on Boy Meets World. I will occasionally, like I'm doing now, pick out little episodes, you know, for special episodes on the podcast that I do. So, that's me bringing you my opinions and thoughts on episodes of Boy Meets World. Just like I'm going to do now, so I'm going to shut up and I'm going to watch this episode and I'm going to just... Oh, God. I've seen this episode, but it was a while ago, and I just, I remember, I think I even teared up just a smidge. I mean, it gives you all the feels, all the feels, anger, and, you know, hurt, and just realization of, yeah, well, let's get into this episode. Alright, of course we have the cold open. We are at John Adams Junior High in the lunchroom. And Sean comes in and gives Corey an article about Barry Bonds, the baseball player. Because, you know, Corey's really big into baseball. And Corey takes the newspaper and says, Ah, the 40, what do you say, the $43 million man. And Minkus, of course, is like, Well, why do they call him that? Sean explains that's how much they're paying him to play baseball for six years. So you take that divided by six, that's $716,666. Wait a minute. And 67 cents. Oh, well then I'm totally off. Minka said 7.16 million. Oh, wait. My, my, I don't know. I think I hit something wrong or whatever. I'm sorry. For a second, I was about to call out Minkus and say, no, it's this. But Minkus is Minkus. He's most likely smarter than I am when it comes to numbers. Anybody smarter than me when it comes to numbers, it seems like. So I'm not going to call out Minkus and tell him he's wrong. And Corey, of course, is on his Barry Bonds high horse with like, well, he happens to be the most top guys in baseball. And old Minkus here, he's on his Mr. Feeney high horse with the old, I think Mr. Feeney's one of the top guys in teaching. And Mr. Feeney makes about 40000 a year. Now this is, this is 93. Double check here on this episode. That is not the episode I'm looking for. Gah. November ni- uh, 93, so we're almost done with 93 at this point. Um... 40000 a year, that's... I'm sure that's probably average. I mean, Feeney's been teaching for a long time, so I don't think he started out making that. But anyway, let's move on. So, Sean and Corey are like, oh, that stinks. And Minkus is like, oh yeah, finally something we agree on. No, they think that Feeney gets paid too much, Sean and Corey do. He says Feeney ain't worth that kind of money. Minkus can't believe his ears. He's like glaring at them over his glasses like, you thought I meant that Feeney was overpaid? What is wrong with you? No, what 
Minkus is trying to say is that Feeney is grossly and tragically underpaid. I'm sorry, I can't look at Minkus and not see Mouth McFadden or Marvin McFadden from One Tree Hill. Granted, this is like 10 years away from that, but still. Actually, now that I look at him, he looks more like Chucky Lee Torkelson from the Torkelsons in Almost Home. Probably because he was playing Chucky Lee Torkelson two years prior to this. And I think after season one, they nixed the character of Minkus. Like, you know, we don't have a place for you. But we do have a place for Topanga. She's going to be the love interest for Corey Matthews. Oh, Corey is all like, look, does history ever change? No. Does math ever change? No. Does Finney ever change? Never. Oh, he pretty much says that nothing about uh, Finney ever changes because nothing about sixth grade ever changes. Oh, Corey's pretty much got Finney's schedule and what he does all down to his quirks of... In five seconds, Feeney's going to walk in here, take a sip from the drinking fountain, licks his mustache, goes to the coffee machine, sees me and says, good morning, Mr. Matthews. But you've done the homework. Every day, the same thing. He is so predictable. I don't know what's scarier, Corey. The fact that um, you are 12 years old or 11 years old and you've got this man's exact movements down to a science but what's scary is the fact that you seem to care to observe all this all the time i mean you are very for a kid that's not like into school and not about the teachers and saying that feeney's grossly overpaid you sure uh monitor his movements don't you so I'm going to play this clip. Corey, brought you a great article on Barry Bonds. Uh, $43 million, man. Why did they call him that? Because that's what he's getting paid to play baseball for six years. $7.16 million a year? That's what it comes out to, yeah. He happens to be one of the top guys in baseball. Well, I happen to think Mr. Feeney is one of the top guys in teaching, and he makes about 40000 a year. That stinks. Finally, something we agree on. Yeah. Feeney ain't worth that kind of money. <laughs> you thought I meant he was overpaid? I meant that Mr. Feeney is grossly and tragically underpaid. Minkus. May I call you Minkus? Does spelling ever change? No. Does sister ever change? Uh-uh. Does Feeney ever change? Never. Know why? He doesn't have to. Know why? Because nothing about teaching sixth grade ever changes. Well, I think you're wrong. Well, I think I'm right. I think in about five seconds, Feeney walks in here, takes a sip from the drinking fountain, flicks his mustache, goes to the coffee machine, sees me, and says, Good morning, Mr. Matthews. I trust you've done the homework. Every day, the same thing. He's so predictable. Observe. Drinking fountain. Flick the mustache. Good morning, Mr. Matthews. Yep. I trust you've done the homework. Yes, I did, sir. But, but my, my little, little sister, sister ate it. <laughs> you are so predictable. Alright, and that in a nutshell is the cold open. Okay, I gotta ask a question about Minkus here. Um, does he actually care that Feeney is underpaid? I mean, he did seem concerned. Or is he just a brown noser? I gotta wonder. I think in my mind, like, in a way he admires Mr. Feeney and what he does. But I think on the... At the end of the day, Minkus is what we call a brown noser. The kid, in a way, has a good heart. But then again, 
he does like to show off a bit. I think he's always trying to impress Corey and Sean, even though he acts like he really... He gives the impression like, oh, you guys are lame. You're because he's al- they're always picking on each other. He gives as good as he gets. All right, now we come out of the intro. We are in Feeney's classroom, and this week in social studies because that's what I remember it being referred to in junior high, middle school was social studies. They're going to be talking about prejudice, which is good because I think those kids definitely need a lesson in that. Of course, Corey, always the jokester, always looking to be the class clown, get a rise out of everybody because that's who he is. It's like, yeah, that's great that we're studying prejudice this week because they have an issue with the cafeteria food. Clearly, he does not know what the word prejudice means. He slaps a palm with Sean who's sitting behind him. So, Feeney, as he's going to be handing out these books for the children to read, says the many ways of prejudice in different forms they'll be discussing, one of which is black slavery in the American South, the Jews in Nazi Germany, and several examples of prejudice throughout history. So, he gives them their assignment, which is to read the first 30 pages of the book that he just gave them, which I believe is Anne Frank's diary, the diary of Anne Frank. Of course, he's a 12-year-old boy. He just looks at the cover and is like, oh, it's a book about some girl. How narrow-minded you be there, Corey. Why don't you flip the book over and read the excerpt on the back? You know that Feeney is going to want to see him. Like, oh, don't worry, Mr. Feeney. I'll do my homework. I'll, I'll read it. Don't worry. So I'm going to play this clip. This week in social studies, we'll be talking about prejudice. Good, because I'm prejudiced against the scungy food in the cafeteria. (laughs) We will be discussing black slavery in the American South, the Jews in Nazi Germany, and several examples of prejudice throughout history. Tonight, your assignment is to read the first 30 pages of that book. Oh, man, it's a book about some girl. Mr. Matthews? I'll read it anyway. I'll do my homework, really. I note an escalating tendency for you to make humorous comments about the things I'm teaching, Mr. Matthews. You are making my job very difficult. Well, we both know it's not very hard to teach sixth grade, so I always thought you secretly liked that I make it a little more challenging. So that's it. My job is easy. Well, you know, same stuff every year. Only thing that changes is the students. You know, I always thought you had the easy job, just sitting in class, listening. Are you kidding? 35 hours a week in here with you? Made your homework every night? It never stops, Mr. Feeney. And you want to know what I get for all that? Five measly bucks a week. You'd probably make that in an hour. Yes, I do. That's why I can afford that Ferrari in my driveway. You don't drive a Ferrari. Exactly. Oh, right. It's a gremlin. In any event, perhaps I have been underestimating the difficulty of your job as a sixth grader. Well, perhaps you have, Mr. Feeney. Hmm. What? Well, I could give you a chance to prove your theory. What do you mean? I mean, why don't we trade jobs for the rest of the week? Because you wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, I would. You may teach one of my classes until Friday, at which point you will administer a test that I have prepared. Will I have to take it? 
You'll be the teacher, Mr. Matthews. <laughs> You'll be having the easy job, giving the test. And if more students than normal pass, you win. And if more students fail, I win. So, while I'm doing your job, what are you going to do? Well, since you'll be sitting in my seat, I think it's only fair that I should be sitting in yours. You mean you'd be like my student? Like, yeah. Yes! Would you enjoy that? Yeah, that'd be okay. And you'd be taking the test, right? Right. Okay, deal. Just how you said, no take-backs. No take-backs. But why don't we make this experiment a little more interesting? So, as you heard in the clip, Mr. Feeney calls Corey up to his desk to tell him, you pretty much are giving a daily commentary on my teaching methods, and it's getting... You're really making my job difficult for me. And of course, Corey again comes up with this, oh, we both know it's not very hard to teach sixth grade. So Corey Terry tries to spin his running commentary on Feeney's teaching lessons, saying, oh, I thought you secretly liked it that I make it a little more challenging. I'd say, you're not making it challenging per se. You're making it difficult for me to get to, from one subject to another with a, basically you keep interrupting. What Mr. Feeney is taking from Corey's little uh, yarn here that he's spinning, about, oh, teaching is so easy. He's like, oh, really? You think my job is easy? And Corey is like, oh, it's the same stuff every year. The only thing that changes is, this, is the students. So am I to believe in other seasons, it seems to the point that Mr. Feeney has been teaching them since kindergarten. Is that the case? Or is that kind of the continuity just changes as it wills, according to the episode? Maybe that's what Corey is getting from all this. Like, every year I have you, every year it's the same thing that you're teaching. Or even the fact that different students, same curriculum, same syllabus, same um, lesson plans, basically. And if you think about it, Corey kind of does have an easy job. All he's got to do is sit in a seat and listen for, like, eight hours or six hours or seven, however long a school day is with, you know, the lunch break and the recess. I don't even think they do recess in junior high. But and of the two, I think Corey's got a heck of an easier job. If he just sat and listened and stopped running his mouth, yeah. Corey's like, no, 35 hours a week in this room with you made your homework every night? It never stops, Mr. Feeney. Well, you know what, Corey? It never will. Think about it. You go to college. You're, you think junior high is bad. High school is even worse with the homework. And then so is college. Because when you go to college, you're going to be paying to take classes. You don't get to just attend them for free. Corey then complains about the fact that he only gets five bucks a week. I think that's at one point I got an allowance and it was like five dollars a week. And he's like, oh, you probably make that in an hour. And Mr. Finney's like, yeah, that's why you see that Ferrari parked in my driveway. And since, you know, they're fence neighbors, neighbor, neighbors. And of course, like, you don't have a Ferrari. And of course, 
Mr. Fiend's like, oh, that's right, it's a gremlin. Uh. Yeah, it's like, that's why I can afford that Ferrari in my driveway. And Corey's like, you don't own drive a Ferrari. Like, yeah, it's a gremlin. <laughs> so, Mr. Feeney pretty much has a little, uh, way for Corey to prove his theory. Like, oh, sixth grade is so hard. Like, oh, maybe I'm underestimating you, Corey, and your job is a sixth grader. Yeah, so Feeney has... Corey and him, we're going to trade jobs for the rest of the week. You're going to teach, and I'm going to, you know, you're going to sit in my chair. Well, I'm going to sit in your chair, and you're going to teach me. Corey's kind of calling Feeney out, like, on this, like, he thinks he's bluffing. Like, oh, you wouldn't do that. And Feeney's like, oh, yes, I would. Oh, he's going to have Corey teach one of his classes until Friday. So if this is Monday... Then he's going to be teaching for the next four days. And Corey has to administer a test. And if more kids pass this test than normal, Corey wins. But if less students pass this test than normal, then Mr. Feeney wins. So Corey's like, oh, do I have to take this test? And Feeney's like, oh, no, you're the teacher. You'll be having the easy job of giving the test. I love how he, like, leads Corey over to his chair to sit at his desk like get a feel for it get comfortable you're gonna be this is gonna be your place for for the next four days if more students pass than normal he will win but if more students fail then feeney wins oh Corey's happy he is like beaming he is so excited to do this it's like i'm gonna prove you wrong that teaching is simple and more kids are gonna pass this test than you'll ever see they shake, like, deal, okay. We don't hear what the wager is. Like, clearly there's stakes involved as far as who's getting what if Corey wins or if Feeney wins. We don't, I don't think we hear that until he gets home and he's telling his dad all about this. He's talking to his dad, Alan. Before we cut out of this scene and head to the Matthews home, Mr. Feeney's like, all right, let's make this bet a little more interesting. And we don't hear, like we, I said, we don't hear the details. I think we're going to hear them in a bit. All right, now we're at the Matthews home. We got Morgan number one, because later on she will be replaced by Morgan number two. And I'm guessing they're playing like Go Fish or Old Maid. And I remember that See, this is season one where Eric is smart, he's funny, he's cute. He's all those things. He's not dumb that, like, they make him later on, which I think, I personally feel like they ruined Eric's, um, his character. They just made him so stupid. Season one seems to be the only, it's like, who decided... To go that route with the character of Eric Matthews to make him a big giant dum dum, instead of someone who's just an average teenager, teenager likes girls, you know, works at his dad's grocery shop and stuff like that. Remember, yeah, in season one, Eric would call Morgan Weasel or Weasel, yeah, Weasel, and of course, it's like, hi, Eric, hi, new girlfriend, <laughs> yeah. So Eric just tells his new girlfriend, we'll learn her name is Linda. Just ignore her. When she was born, the doctor had to pry her little foot out of her big mouth. Yeah. Amy goes over to say hi to Linda. And of course, Morgan's like, 
My name's Morgan. I'm five and a half. And I, I'm guessing that, did they have a coach for the kid? Because I remember sometimes she would just shout her lines, practically at the top of her lungs. But she sounds like a little robot girl. Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm five and a, you know, I'm not going to tease. I'm not going to pick on little Morgan or what, who, Nikki something. Then there was like a Lindsay something, or am I getting it mixed up? Linda introduces herself and says, I'm 15 and three quarters. Linda just pops down right next to Morgan on the couch and is like, oh. So Eric's kind of like, hey, mom, can you like get Morgan out of here? So Amy goes over to Morgan and says, hey, sweetie, why don't you help me in the kitchen? I need your help. And Morgan's like, well, you have to be more independent because I want to stay and talk to Linda. It's like, I don't think so. Yeah, I guess Morgan ain't going to move. So... Linda's, like, kind of fishing the dirt on Eric and his previous flings, past love interests. She's like, so, um, I'm the new girlfriend. Have there been a lot of old girlfriends? And I love Morgan's response, like, millions. And core Eric, it's just like, guys, can we please talk about anything else? So Linda's like, look, I don't think I'm the new girlfriend. Your brother just told me that he just wanted to study with me. Let me guess, Morgan's gonna say something like, oh, you fell for that old line. Morgan like pats Morgan pats Linda's leg like oh please you're gonna fall for that one <laughs> this five and a half year old I'm telling you she's a she's a firecracker I'm gonna play this clip because it's just funny hi mom hey Louise hey Eric hi new girlfriend <laughs> oh ignore when she was born, the doctor had to pry her little foot out of her big mouth. Hi, I'm the mom. It's nice to meet you. Hi. My name's Morgan, and I'm five and a half. Well, my name is Linda, and I'm 15 and three quarters. I like her. You guys want something to eat? Sure. Could you? Oh, Morgan, honey, I could really, really use your help in the kitchen. Well, you're just going to have to be more independent because I want to stay and talk to Linda. I tried. So, you think I'm a new girlfriend, do you? Uh-huh. Uh, guys, can we talk about, like, anything else? <laughs> Are there a lot of old girlfriends? Billions. Does anyone else have that real sharp pain behind their eyes? I no, I do. Well, I don't think I'm a new girlfriend. Your brother told me that he just wanted to study with me. Oh, please. You're gonna fall for that one. Major Snackage is now being served in the main dining room. Come on, it's getting cold. It's ice cream. Come on, it's Dragon. getting warm. So, isn't it about time Morgan got her own apartment? <laughs> so, luckily, Amy comes in before Morgan interrogates Linda any more than she already has and embarrasses Eric even further. Ice cream in the kitchen. Then we cut to the French doors leading to the outside as Alan runs in with Corey. I guess they were racing from the car to see who got to the house first. Corey's wearing a bike helmet, so I'm guessing he was riding a bike home from school? I don't know. Oh, his new bike! That's right. Are you kidding me? He raced his dad home on his new bike. And Alan's like, wow, that bike is fast. And Corey's like, yeah, I heard your engine groaning on that last hill, Dad. 
Amy comes into the living room. It's like, were you two racing home? And of course, Corey's like, oh no, we weren't doing that. No. And he's like, oh, Dad, it happened to see me and tried to catch up. <laughs> oh, you two. So Amy's surprised that Corey came home so fast because she thought he wanted to hang around school and show everyone his new bike. So, okay, then he is riding his bike to school. So Corey wanted to get home so he could tell his parents all about this bet that he and Mr. Feeney made. So I'm going to play this clip. Wait to tell you. Mr. Feeney and I made a bet that I could teach social studies better than he can. I'm going to be the teacher for the rest of the week. Isn't that great? Corey, you barely manage a C-plus in social studies. How are you going to teach it? Hey, Mom, the book does all the teaching. Feeney's just Vanna White pointing to the letters. <laughs> what exactly did you two high rollers bet? Well, I put up my bike. What? I just bought you that bike. Relax, Dad. Feeney's the one who's going to lose big. Yeah, what did Mr. Feeney put up against your bike? His garden weasel? <laughs> One-fifth of his weekly paycheck. Because I'm teaching one of his five classes. And come Friday, I'm rich! Why does Feeney want that bike? <laughs> Alan, obviously, this is one of those Mr. Feeney lesson things. Well, what if the lesson is... I want that bike. <laughs> so, when he tells his parents that he's going to be taking over Feeney's social studies class, Amy's like, Corey, you're barely managing a C-plus in that class. How are you going to teach the class? And Corey's like, well, Mom, relax. I mean, the book does all the teaching. I mean, and Alan's like, well, what did you guys, what did you put up? What did you wager? And Corey's like, oh, my new bike. My bike. And Alan's like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, Corey. I, you're the one, the bike I just bought for you, really. <laughs> and Corey, if he wins, is getting Mr. Feeney, a fifth of Mr. Feeney's paycheck because he's teaching one class. How much do you think Mr. Feeney's paycheck is? I don't know. I'm going to shoot and say if he gets paid like, Weekly, maybe he gets like a little over, I don't know, a hundred a week or something. This is 1993, so, well, maybe 200 a week, I don't know. Alan is freaked out because he just bought Corey that bike, and you know that the Matthews aren't exactly rolling in it. I mean, they have enough to pay their bills to get by and all that good stuff, but I don't even want to know how much that bike cost. All right, so now we're going to go to Corey's first day of teaching as a 12-year-old. So we got Mr. Feeney, who's dressed like a normal teacher, and he's sitting in Corey's seat. He's got his briefcase, and Corey's just making sure, like, okay, now I'm really in charge, right? Like, you're, you're not going to step in and take over at any time, right? <laughs> Corey wants to make sure that Mr. Feeney's not going to call the bed off just because Corey's going to teach his way. Like, if I do things a little differently from the way you would, you're not going to call off the bet, right? Mr. Feeney just reassures Corey, look, we made a bet. It's your class. These, they here are your minds to mold. I love how Corey kind of looks around like, cool. I got this kid in like an orange mock turtleneck who's just looking at Feeney like, what's he doing? In, what's the teacher doing in the, in the seat here? He should be up at the front of the class. So, Corey walks in the front of the class, faces everyone, and says, 
class for the rest of the week. I'm going to be your social studies teacher. And Minkus is about to have a meltdown. He's like, Mr. Feeney, what's going on? But this kid is sitting behind Minkus, who's got this narrowed-eyed look at, like, and he's, like, gesturing with his hand to whoever's next to him. Like, what? Do you see this? Like, what is this? A kid? Our classmate teaching us? I don't think so. Sean, of course, is grinning like he is just eating this up. Like, oh, this is going to be sweet. Best friend teaching the class. And Mr. Feeney is like, look, Mr. Minkus, don't look to me. I'm not the teacher here. Your teacher is right there. And Corey's like, that's right, Minkus, my boy. <laughs> I'm the teacher. So Corey tells the class he's the new teacher and his name is Hey Dude. Okay. To be a 90s. I was a 90s kid, so. Maybe he watched Hey Dude back in the 90s. Kids today will never know what it's the irritating sound. Nails on a chalkboard, but no, it's chalk on a chalkboard. Because kids today only hear the squeaky squeak sound of dry eraser, uh, <laughs> dry markers on a dry erase board. Whiteboard. We get a shot of Mr. Feeney is just like, ugh, boy, maybe this was a mistake letting this kid run the class. Like, what? Uh. I'm gonna play this clip. Charge. You're not gonna call the bed off if I do things a teensy bit different from the way you would? We made a bet, Mr. Matthews. It's your class. They are your minds to mold. Cool. <laughs> Good morning, class. For the rest of the week, I'm gonna be your social studies teacher. Mr. Feeney, what's going on? <laughs> Don't ask me, he's the man in charge. That's right, Minkus, my boy. Me. I'm your new teacher, and my name is... Hey! Dude. That all right with you, George? Me classa es su classa. Me classa es su you guys know that rule about no baseball caps in class? History. <laughs> yeah, Topanga, if we're going to eliminate the cap rule, can we also discard the dress code in its entirety? Why? You're not thinking about showing up, like, naked tomorrow, are you? <laughs> no, although I find nothing shameful about nudity. I was thinking about wearing garments from cultures more in tune with the goddess. A sari, perhaps. Or a pareo. Yeah, fine, as long as you're covered up. <laughs> people, 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 are we going to do our social studies work today? Minkus, minkus, minkus. Shut up. <laughs> okay, guys, for homework tonight, uh, read the first 30 pages in whatever that book was that George assigned us yesterday. But that was the assignment last night. Minkus! Not long ago, I was a student myself. And I remember that sixth graders don't always do their homework, so this way everyone gets a second chance. Excuse me, Mr. Hey Dude, but I did my homework. Minkus, get a life. <laughs> yeah, That's really. your homework assignment. 
get a life. <laughs> so the first thing that Corey changes about this class now that he's going to be teaching it is, oh, you guys know that rule about no baseball caps in class? Well, <laughs> that rule is gone as he pulls out this red baseball cap from uh, his back pants pocket, puts it on backwards, typical 90s fashion. Apparently, either these boys, other than Sean, were tipped off to bring hats to class, or they always carry their hats and wear them when they're not, in, you know, when they're outside of the classroom, I would guess. Because all, almost all the boys put the hats on. So Topanga's like, oh, if you're getting rid of that rule, what about, um, can we change up the dress code? And Corey's like, okay, um, well, let me ask this question. You're not coming to school tomorrow naked, are you? And she's like, no. But she wants to wear outfits of different cultures and more in tune with her goddess nature. She does say, although I... I'm not showing up naked tomorrow. I find nothing shameful about nudity. She calls them garments from cultures more in tune with the goddess. So, a sari is a woman's garment from the Indian subcontinent that consists of an unstitched drape varying from 4.5 to 9, uh, let's see, 15 to 30 feet in length and 600 to basically 24 to 47 inches, blah, 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 that is typically wrapped around the waist with one end draped over the shoulder, bearing a portion of the midriff. There are various styles of sari manufacture and draping, the most common being navy, 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 navy style? Okay. Worn with a fitted bodice commonly called a choli. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. I do apologize. And a petticoat called... Uh, G-H-A-G-R-A. In the modern Indian subcontinent, the sari is considered a cultural icon. She also says Pareo. What's Pareo? Let's see. Let's see here. It says it's a word for a wraparound skirt. Related to the Malay Sharong. Alright. Also, other such garments of the Pacific Islands of Hawaii and Fiji and a couple other places. Alright, interesting. Well, Corey says, yeah, that's fine as long as you just keep yourself covered up when you get here. And Minkus is like, are we going to do our social studies work today? So, you clearly, Minkus is not with the whole... Corey the teacher. So Sean in the back is like, Minkus, 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 shut up. So Corey assigns the same homework as yesterday. Read the first 30 pages in whatever book that George assigned to you yesterday. Minkus, he is such a little, he's such a little brown noser. He's like, oh, what about those of us? Oh, because he's like, well, that was the homework last night. And Corey's like, you know, most the normal sixth grader, a lot of the time, doesn't always get to the homework the day it's assigned. So I'm giving them a second chance to read the book. For you, Mingus, you want to know what your homework is? To get a life. 
Okay, you got that? Get a life. So Corey is just reveling in the fact that he can pretty much tell uh, Minkus what to do since he's the teacher. But I think he is kind of abusing that power. But then again, Minkus is being a turd himself. So so now we're at the Matthews home and Alan and I almost called her Nikki. <laughs> Al, I think it's Nikki Lindsay, isn't it? I gotta find this out. It's gonna drive me cray cray if I don't. Her name is her character's name is Morgan. That I gotta remember. I can't call her by her actress name, by her person <laughs> person name. All right, let's go. Here we go. We gotta get this girl's name here. I think it was Nikki Lindsay. Lily get wait a Lily Gibson. That might be her married name. Okay, so I thought maybe Nikki Lindsay is the girl who kind of takes over. That's what I'm thinking. Nikki Lindsay. Uh, no. I could be 100% wrong. When does the second Morgan take over? I swear it's like season five. Uh, Lindsay Ridgeway. That is Morgan number two. Morgan Matthews number two. Gotcha. So Eric comes in and he's got a little something that Linda sent home with him. It's a genuine Japanese lantern for her. Oh, that was so nice of Linda. And Eric tells Morgan that Linda brought it all the way back from Tokyo. And he instructs Morgan to put it over her lamp. So all the pretty colors. It's fuchsia pink and and canary yellow. It's really pretty. I don't know, that makes me nervous because it's made out of like, uh, I'm not sure what the uh, material is, but I wouldn't suggest putting anything over a lamp unless it's a lamp shade. Because you know that lamps, if you do that, sometimes you put, you know, you've seen shows where someone drapes like a piece of clothing over a lamp. That is a fire hazard. Don't do it. So Eric is so infatuated with Linda. And he's like, oh, I got to go call Linda. And Alan's like, well, son, didn't you just leave her house? And he's like, yeah, but that was like 10 minutes ago. All right, let's hear how Corey's first day of teaching went. He is like, I'm the greatest teacher in the history of the universe. Nah, he's all right. <laughs> I'm the greatest teacher in the history of the universe. <laughs> went that well, huh? By the end of the day, it was one big class party. Uh, well, what was Mr. Feeney doing during this party? Uh, Sean was teaching him how to play poker for gum. <laughs> when did you actually teach the lesson? I told you, Dad, the teacher doesn't really do anything. You read the book, you pass the test. Did you read the book? I skimmed it. <laughs> well, what was it about? It was about the Nazis and the Jews a long time ago, when there was prejudice and stuff. A long time ago? Yeah, the stuff is history, Dad. <sighs> Corey, not that I suddenly think your bike is in, like, real significant danger here, but <laughs> could you give me the details of this bet again? Okay, based on the way he grades, if more students than usual pass the test, then I win. Based on the way he grades? Right. Well, how does he grade? Huh? Does he grade on a curve? Huh? I mean, Feeney's going to score pretty high, right? He wrote the test. Oh, well, figure it out. He grades on the curve. The higher he scores, the more kids are going to fail. What does that mean? That means your bike is gone. <laughs> Corey pretty 
much says the whole class basically was one giant party. And Alan's like, okay, well, what was Mr. Feeney doing during doing during this party? And Corey's like, oh, well, Sean was teaching him how to play poker for gum. So Alan's like, all right, well, when did you actually teach the lesson? And Corey's like, Dad, I told you, the teacher doesn't really do anything. He's like, well, you read the book, you pass the test. So Alan asks, like, well, did you read the book? And Corey's like, yeah, I skimmed it. And Alan asks, well, what was it about? So he says it was about the Nazis and the Jews a long time ago when there was prejudice and stuff. And Alan's like, oh, a long time ago. My kid, you need to get your head (coughs) out of your video games and into the real world. You need to go back and read Diary of Anne Frank. In fact, I have it. I would like to read it, too. It's actually set up like a diary with journal entries. In fact, I think that they should have a field trip and go to one of the Holocaust museums because they would learn a lot. Actually, one of the um, Holocaust survivors that I met when I went to the Holocaust Memorial Center um, recently passed away. I would have met him, I think it was like four or five years ago. And uh, I... It was just, it was such an amazing experience. I mean, I read a lot of books, you know, historical fiction and stuff that deal with uh, the Holocaust and the, the Jews hiding from the Nazis and, the, you know, survivors and everything that they went through and them just surviving. Um, there's many versions of the Anne Frank movie. There's um, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, also based on a book, which is really good as well. Just so much information out there. I really think that this needs to continue to stay being taught in schools. So Corey's like, yeah, the stuff is history day. So in Corey's mind, he does not think that prejudice still exists to this day in 1993. All Corey knows is that that stuff existed way back when or only in, you know, books. In history books. He's going to learn pretty quick that that type of behavior still exists. And it still exists to this day. But we call it racism. So remember the whole bet that Corey had? That he gets a fifth of Feeney's paycheck if the kid more kids than normal pass the test. And of course if he loses... Feeney gets his bike. So, of course, that's what uh, Alan is worried about. It's like, Corey, you know, not that I suddenly think that your bike is in, like, no significant danger here, but uh, he wants to know what the statistics are as far as how Feeney grades the tests and all of that stuff. Because he definitely can tell that Corey's not taking this seriously. By the end of the episode, you know he is going to learn a very valuable lesson inside the school and outside of it. The fact that, I mean, Alan's like, well, how does he grade? You said based on how he grades the test. How does he grade the test? And the look that Corey gives him, like, Bleh. like, did you even consider that? Or you're just, yeah, 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 that's fine. So he asked Corey, like, does he, Feeney grade on a curve? So Alan's like, so Feeney's going to score pretty high, right? Basically, Alan boils it down to the higher Feeney scores, the more the the more kids will fail. Corey's like, what does that mean? And Alan's like, well, that means your bike is gone. 
Hey, you need to whip the kids into shape, then. You need to stop the messing around, the playing around, the parties in class, and you need to get serious. You don't have much time to get these kids to read that book and pass the test. So, now we're in class the next day, and... Corey's going to Sean for help. Like, hey, you gotta help me get the class back under control. And Sean's like, hey, that's you, man. You're the teacher. You're the one who let it get out of control. Corey kind of throws it in his face. Like, hey, you're the one who's playing poker with Feeney. And Sean just sits there and kind of looks at Corey like, dude, you're starting to sound like a teacher. Chill out. It looks like Topanga has changed her wardrobe. Her hair is crimped. She's wearing... Her homemade sari, and she's got a yoga pillow that she's got a yoga cushion that she's gonna sit on. She's not gonna sit at the desk anymore. Pinkus, of course, pushes his desk out of the way because he's got one of those bouncy balls, you know, the kind, the big ones that you sit on that got the big handle. You just bounce up and down on it. Yeah. And Corey's like, oh, jeez, Minkus, now you want to sit on a yoga cushion, too? And Minkus is like, no, you told me to get a life, so I'm going to be as fun as the next guy. You got kids throwing spitballs, and Corey's going to try to get the class under control. Clearly, he's going to fail. You have to help me get the class back under control. Hey, you're the one who let it get out of control. Well, you're the one playing poker with Feeny. Lighten up, man. You're starting to sound like a teacher. Uh, Topanga, what are you doing? Moving my desk out of the way. I've decided I'd rather sit on a traditional yoga cushion. Minkus, don't tell me you want to sit on a yogurt cushion. This is yogurt cushion? No, you told me to get a life. Now I'm going to be as fun as the next guy. <laughs> okay, I know things got a little loose here yesterday, but we've got a test day after tomorrow, and it's time to get down to business. <laughs> Let's start with the roll call. Uh, Lawrence Topanga. I'm channeling. I will only answer to the name. Okay, present, but not all here. Uh, Hunter, Sean. Hunter, Sean! Out of my face, I'm stacking the deck. Hey, where's Mr. Feeney? I mean, George. Hey, dude. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. I was chilling with my homies. <laughs> I'm in. Minkus, this is social studies. Stop making those paper turkeys. They're flamingos. And quit calling me Minkus. You call everyone else by their first name. So start calling me Stuart. I see your juicy fruit, and I raise you a chicklet. <laughs> so Corey decides to take roll and uh, roll call, and of course, Topanga is got her palms up. She's crisscross applesauce with her legs. She's like, I no longer answer to Topanga. I answer to, and she like kind of growls like some demon. 
And, <laughs> of course, Minkus is like, you call everyone by their first name, so you'll address me as Stuart. And, of course, he calls Sean Hunter. He has to get right in Sean's face, like, Hunter, Sean. And Sean, of course, is, like, shuffling his cards and laying them all out on his desk. And it's like, where's Mr. F- I mean, George. And Mr. Feeney rolls up wearing his Phillies jersey, his Phillies hat. It's like, hey, sorry, hey, dude, <laughs> sorry I'm late, I've been chilling with my homies <laughs> of the 90s. So, we're back at home, Alan got home, he comes into the living room, sees Corey reading the book, Anne Frank. It's like, hey, you're finally reading the book, huh? And Corey's like, yeah, I mean, just studying for class, you know, this teaching stuff is not as easy as it looks. Oh, now you're getting it, yeah. Sure, he's reading it, but are the rest of the kids? Yeah, and he's like... No one in class is paying attention to me. And Alan's like, you know what? Maybe that's because you tried to be their pal instead of their teacher. Alan tells Corey, like, maybe you need to set yourself apart from the class. Be more authoritative. I mean, you're supposed to be the teacher. You're supposed to be an authority figure. And Corey looks up at his dad like, how do I do that? And Alan's like, well, how does Feeney do it? And Corey's like, well, I don't know. I never paid attention. Well, there you go. So, I'm going to play that clip and roll right into Eric returning with Linda, who is in tears. And Corey's going to learn just how the world is still very much a prejudiced place. And people can be attacked for their cultures, their race, their skin color, all of it. And they don't even have to say anything to, to initiate this is just pure hate. Still reading that book, huh, Cor? Just trying to prepare for class. You know, this teaching stuff isn't as easy as it looks. It's not, huh? Nope. Nobody in class will pay any attention to me. Well, maybe that's because you tried to be their pal instead of their teacher. Maybe you need to set yourself apart from the class. <laughs> be more authoritative. How do I do that? How does Feeney do it? I don't know. I never paid attention. <laughs> Come on, let's go sit on the couch, all right? Eric? I got it, Cor. Everything is going to be okay, all right? Eric? Look, I'll talk to you later, Cor. Oh, it's getting chilly out there. Linda, Linda! <laughs> What's wrong with Linda? Some jerk at the mall called her a bad name. Where? Our mall? What did he call you? Oh, it's not important, Morgan. In our mall right here? Thank you. Yes, A boy please. at daycare once called me poo-poo head. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. Mom. Come on, Morgan. Let's make some hot cocoa for everybody. <laughs> Man, sometimes people can be total idiots. This happened today? Yes, Corey. Get your head So, Corey's sitting there on the couch. Eric walks in with Linda, who is just in tears. And it's just... That's <laughs> just horrible. You know, she and Eric were at the mall. Some jerk called her a derogatory name. We don't know what it is, thank goodness. But clearly it probably has something to do with her race. And, mm. and Corey just can't wrap his head around. What? At our mall? 
this happened here? Prejudice happened? Like, in the in the real world? He just, he can't even wrap his head around it. And Eric's like, Corey, I got it. Don't worry. Like, I'll talk to you later, Corey. And Amy comes in with Morgan, and Morgan's like, oh, it's Linda, Linda, Linda. And right away, as soon as she sees Linda's face, Morgan's like, what's wrong with Linda? And that's where Eric tells everyone that someone at the mall called Linda a bad name. And of course, Morgan tries to make Linda feel better by saying how someone at daycare called her a poo-poo head once. And Eric kind of is like, can you get her out of here? And Amy takes Morgan to make hot chocolate for everybody. And like, and, and, and Corey's like, wow, this this happened at our mall? Like, in our town? Like, yes, Corey, it doesn't just, prejudice does not just exist in the Anne Frank book. And in your history books. It is still very prevalent and rampant, even today in 2020. Looks like Corey decides to take this seriously as it's the next day. He comes in wearing a nice suit jacket and a tie and a button down. We got Minkus still jumping on that, uh, what is that thing called? I can't even think. I know there's a word for it. It's not one of those medicine balls, but it's one of those things that they had in like the 80s and 90s. Um, what's that episode, uh, um, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, where Christina Applegate's character and I think the actor Josh Charles, his character, were in a toy store or something, and they were, like, hopping around on those things. I'm sure there's, is it like a pogo ball or something? I don't know. Of course, Sean, who's sitting on his desk, is like, hey, Mr. GQ, GQ, nice neckwear. Pinkus looks up at Corey's like, excellent Windsor knot, did your mom tie it? Corey would know what a Windsor knot is. So now Corey is pleading, as he says, Minka, I mean Stuart, I need your help. So he figures if Minkus or Stuart, who's the smartest kid in class, pays attention to Corey, that every other kid in the room will follow suit. No, they won't. So Minkus is all like, why should I help you, Corey? You made fun of Mr. Feeney and said he gets paid too much. So here comes in. Mr. Feeney with a red ball cap and a white sweatshirt that says meatloaf on it. He's like, hey, dude, ooh, that suit. It's like, it's not cool. <laughs> All right, so Corey's gonna get uh, to talk talking about the lesson, which is prejudiced. So I'm gonna play this clip. He's gonna take this tactic to a whole other level to really get those kids to the point where he's going to start attacking Sean. Not physically, but he feels like the only way to get through to these kids is to personally involve them by attacking their race or their heritage. In hopes that they will somehow find themselves able to relate to the prejudice of Anne Frank and read the book. Class, I'd like to talk to you today about prejudice and how it still exists in today's world. I didn't even know that till last night when I saw a real smart, totally cool Asian girl crying her eyes out because some idiot at the mall called her a bad name. My lesson for today is that when people treat other people badly, 
because of their skin color or their religion or where they come from, then real smart, totally cool people can really suffer. Hey, George, this isn't gum. These are Rolands. <laughs> Deal me out of this one, Mr. Hunter. What? Why? Okay, you win. I'm a crummy teacher and I resign. What was her name again? Cordini. Cordini. So that would make you a WAP, right? What did you call me? You heard what I called you. Did you hear what he called me? I heard what he called you. Well, what are you going to do about it? He's the teacher. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to knock his head off. What if you couldn't? What if you couldn't do anything about it? What? What if you lived in a country where I could kill you just because of your mom's last name? Corey, what are you talking about? A 15-year-old girl is dead! Doesn't anybody care? Corey. She was real smart and totally cool. She wrote this book. Her name was Anne Frank. They say she died of typhus, but they killed her because her name was Anne Frank. Anne Frank was a victim of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. Thank you, Mr. Feeney. You have to read this book. And you have to pass this test. Not because of me. But because when someone calls someone else a bad name, it's not good that just that one person jumps up. We all have to jump up. In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. Oh, Corey starts walking up to... Mr. Feeney's desk, or at this point his desk, saying he'd like to talk to them about prejudice and how he didn't even know that till last night it still existed in their world. And Cordy tells them the story about how he met Lauren, who's a real smart, totally cool Asian girl, prying her eyes out because some idiot at the mall called her a bad name. Well, you could even say, like, a derogatory name, which, would he even know what derogatory means? This is when George turns her- oh, he's also wearing a hat that says- a red hat that says meatloaf on it. And this is where- Mr. Feeney turns around. He's clearly gotten... Corey's gotten his attention with this. None of the kids are paying attention at all. So basically his lesson is talking about when people treat other people badly because of their skin color or their religion or where they come from. He keeps saying really smart and really cool people. He says those people can really suffer. Of course, now Sean's like, hey, as George, this isn't gum. These are Rolaids. So Feeney, of course, was like, hey, deal me out of this. I'm not interested in playing anymore. Mario now admits defeat. Like, all right, Mr. Feeney, you win. I'm a crummy teacher and I resign. And he starts walking towards the door. And he makes, he turns 
makes eye contact with Mr. Feeney. And Corey decides to push Sean's buttons because he figures if he can get Sean interested in this assignment, in this lesson, then all the other kids are going to follow suit. Now, the only way he can get Sean interested is basically to poke the bear. And he's going to do that by saying, oh, Sean, what's your mom's name? What's her last name? And Sean's like, oh, my mom's maiden name was Cordini. So Corey's like, oh, well, then that would make you a WAP. Everyone turns straight to Sean and Corey, and their room is silent. And Sean's like, what did you call me? And he gets out of his seat, and you know that Sean is taller than Corey. And he's like, Mr. Feeney, do you hear what he called me? And of course, it's like, yeah, I heard. And Sean's like, well, do something about it. And Feeney says, well, I can't. I'm not the teacher. What are you going to do about it? Sean turns to face Corey, about ready to shove him up against the door to the class. Like, I think I'm going to punch his lights out. I'm going to beat his butt. And Corey pretty much has him. Like, what if you couldn't? Sean doesn't get it. Sean, like, grabs Corey by his shoulders. Like, I'm going to knock his head off. And Corey's like, what if you couldn't? What if you couldn't do anything about it? And Sean's like, what are you talking about, Corey? Corey's like, what if you lived in a country where I could kill you just based on your mother's last name? Oh, to get the class's attention again, Corey's like, a 15-year-old girl is dead. He goes back up, Corey goes back up to the desk and he's like, facing the kids, like, doesn't anybody care? And Sean's like, Corey is like, what do you want from me? What do you want from us? Like, what do you want us to say? Again, Corey leads with that she was real smart and totally cool. But then again, this is the 90s. These are, you know, kids. That's how they're going to describe somebody. He holds up the Anne Frank book. He says, she wrote this book. Her name was Anne Frank. He tells the class, they say she died of typhus. But they killed her. Because her name was Anne Frank. You see Topanga look, because she's on the floor, she's looking up at Corey. And Corey says Anne Frank was a victim of anti-Semitism. And, of course, Feeney does correct him, uh, anti-Semitism. And Corey thanks Mr. Feeney. He tells the kids, he tells the class, you have to read this book and you have to pass this test. He says, not because of me, but because when someone calls someone else a bad name, it's not good that just one person jumps up. Everybody has to jump up. He opens the book to the last page and reads a quote from Anne Frank. In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. So it looks like we're going to get to the day when the test has been taken and we're going to hear the results. Surprisingly, actually, who gets the highest grade in the class? So, what's the verdict? Am I riding the bus to school from now on? No, the same number of students pass the test as usual. It's a draw. You get to keep your bike. Good. You mean some people still failed? It happens, no matter how good a teacher you are. Sorry to hear that. I guess I didn't do such a good job. On the contrary, Mr. Matthews, you did an excellent job. Mr. Hunter, for instance, got a full grade higher than he usually does. Somehow, you must have gotten his attention. 
Sean got a B? At least one guy learned something for me this week. Two. Two? Who else? You, Mr. Matthews. But how do you know? I didn't even take the test. You didn't have to. Do you really think that I could have gotten you to read the diary of Anne Frank? Even if you did, Mr. Feeney, I still wouldn't have understood it without you. People just don't understand that about us teachers. <laughs> That's all right, Mr. Matthews. In time, one learns to live with the lack of respect, unruly students, minuscule pay. Relate. <laughs> so it looks like the same number of students that normally would have passed did pass. There wasn't any more average than usually. But it turns out that Sean got a whole grade higher on this test than he's ever done before. And it turns out Corey actually learned a little something himself. I mean, he was, like, surprised. Like, you're telling me that people still failed. And it's like, yeah, I mean... You can teach them, and you could try to get through to them, but at, in the end, it's up to the student to take what they've gotten from the material or from you giving out the lessons and apply it to apply that knowledge to the test. Like, what are they taking from it? What are they getting from the test and everything? And Mr. Feeney's like, you know, would if. Uh, would you have read that book, Diary of Anne Frank, had I, you know, assigned it to you and everything? And Corey's like, yeah, I would have, but I wouldn't have gotten, you know, understood it as much as without you helping me through it. And I think it also kind of took Corey seeing Linda being upset by a derogatory term, you know, being thrown at her at the mall and everything like that to see prejudice still happens. We don't all, you know, it doesn't always end up with someone, you know, crying. Someone called me a racist name or something like that. But, and he, he realized, like, people die from this. From the prejudice. And, you know, just due to either your skin, your religion, your parents' last name. I like how Corey's like, you know, people just don't understand that about us teachers. And Mr. Feeney, of course, is unrolling that wrapper of, uh his role of role aids. It's like, that's all right, Mr. Matthews. In time, one learns to live with a lack of respect. Ruley students and minuscule pay. And he offers him a role aid. All right, so now we're going to go to the closing scene where Amy's on the couch and Eric comes in. He's still dating Linda. Everything's great. And I guess she's a cheerleader now. Great. Hey, Mom, guess what? This Saturday night... I got a date with a cheerleader. What happened to Linda? She was so sweet and I was really liking her. Ma, Linda is the cheerleader. She made the team. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. that's I'm dating great. a popular girl all because I was smart enough to get in on the ground floor. <laughs> Cheerleading is such a great experience for a girl. Mm. You know, I was a cheerleader. They had them back then? <laughs> yes, back then when the football was made out of a rock. <laughs> See, my big cheer was... Bobo skiddy and do 
cheerleading isn't that rah-rah stuff anymore. It's, oh, it's not? It's cool, you know? It's, it's cutting edge. Hi. Hi. Hey, congratulations. You made the squad. Thanks. I just had my first practice today. Look, why don't you show my mom something you learned so at least she knows what's going on nowadays? Oh, really? Okay, sure. Right here. Come on. <laughs> to get up there and do the cheer and air it's like oh yeah cheerleading they had that when you were uh, my age <laughs> yeah right so she gets up does the cheer the audience applauds for of course and Linda comes in she had her first cheerleading practice she's dressed in the uniform looks adorable in the blue and white and she does the same cheer that Amy just got done doing. But Eric is like all for it. He just like, see? <laughs> I remember in high school going to those pep rallies. Hated the pep rallies. But just seeing the routines of the cheerleaders, even in the like late 90s to early 2000s, they were pretty scantily they were pretty sensual more than they needed to be it seemed like it was all about sex appeal what did you think of the high school cheerleaders when you were uh, in high school not really much oh that's good what's that yeah I didn't really care for them I thought they're all kind of meh outside of a pep rally you never saw them unless you were going to like football games. I still remember that time when we were at a football game and um, they threw one of the girls in the air and I guess the girls like misstepped on catching her and uh, she injured herself and my cousin John was there and he, and he was like kind of razzing them saying, well, I'm not the one who dropped her. So, honestly, I liked this episode. I thought it had a good message, even for 1993. Dealing with such a serious topic, not just the Holocaust, you know, and Anne Frank. We pretty much just got into just Anne Frank and prejudice. They didn't really go, you know, into full, full detail about the Holocaust and and everything. But they gave the kids just enough info where if they wanted to learn more they could probably go to the library or like a history museum or something like that i'm sure there were documentaries on television as well um another show that everyone razzes about just just so preachy and just got kind of cornballish towards the end was seventh heaven seventh heaven actually came out three years after Boy Meets World premiere, but they also, in their early season, did do a Holocaust-centric episode with the character Simon in um, junior high. I'm trying to find where the episode is, because it's really, really good. 
It's actually in season two. It's season two, episode nine, entitled I Hate You, which aired on November 17th, 1997. In this episode, Simon discovers friendly, generous old neighbor. neighbor. I don't know why I always want to pronounce it neighbor. Like, there's no V in it. Charlotte Kurgis has concentration camp... has a concentration camp tattoo. Eric forbids Simon to ask her to help for a history assignment, but realizes his son is right after hearing classmate Larry's father spreads spreads Holocaust denial. The Camdens are excited to meet Joanne Mads. Okay, but anyway, we're not talking about the other plots of this episode, but um, I think I'd like to see about covering this one for the podcast at some point as well. Mar or April was the Holocaust memo- um, Remembrance Day, and um, I just think this is such a powerful episode as well. And there's even a little bit of trivia here that says the Holocaust episode was based on a true story from Auschwitz-Birkenau survivor Elizabeth Mann, who allows the writer allowed the writers to create a fictional character to portray her. Charlotte Kurgesis, played by Rita Zohar, who befriends Simon, actor David Gallagher, admits that this is his favorite in the entire series. This is a particular um, of mine as well. I really hold it close to myself. I just, I, I wanted to highlight this episode of Boy Meets World because it just shows, especially for Teacher Appreciation Day tomorrow, that Corey was misjudging Mr. Feeney's job, kind of belittling it like, oh, it's so easy and everything. And I like that Mr. Feeney took it upon himself to teach Corey a lesson and saying, for the week, you're going to teach my class and you're going to see just how hard it is to try to get 12 to 13 year old kids to be taught a lesson to take in the information and apply it to a test and I just I I, I think that's kind of one of the reasons later on in Girl Meets World like Corey does become a teacher and it's kind of funny because I never would you know watching the later seasons of Boy Meets World he never really we don't really get an indication of him wanting to be a teacher. He doesn't go to college for that. And um, before they graduate high school, he's all about, I want to make movies. I want to, like, win a contest for a filmmaking contest and this and that and do- make documentaries and everything. So, and I'm just trying to think what exactly he went to college for. Because it seemed like they were, like, in their freshman year of college. Or did they make it to their sophomore year before the show ended? And then Topanga got a job offer in New York to work for a law firm. And that's kind of how things went in Girl Meets World. And surprisingly, Corey became a teacher. So I hope you guys enjoyed the review. I really enjoyed it myself. And every once in a while I might, you know, pop in another Boy Meets World episode and just kind of, you know watch that and just kind of you know talk about it give my like I do with any of the episodes I cover on the podcast that I cover just giving my insight just having fun laughing hoping you guys are kind of getting something out of it too and you know if you guys ever want to share your memories or thoughts or comments on any of the episodes I would love to get some feedback as far as what you guys you know seeing the show from a different 
POV. You know, everyone's everyone views the shows in their own way and have their own interpretations and how they see things. And I would just love to hear that from you guys. So if you guys want to send an email, you can do so to lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com, punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com, either or. So, all right. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And I will be back this week with Different Strokes episode the prep school. Bye-bye.